Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. The Tethered Mantis Saddle and Predator Platform is the ultimate setup for mobile hunting, so much so that I've actually adopted taking it along with me on my scouting trip so I can go ahead and prep any trees that I see or if I see sign that I like and I find a good pinch point or whatever the case might be, that I'll actually climb that tree right then and there and kind of prep that tree and it's not hard to do with how light and mobile their system is. So if you're looking for an elevated hunting system that is light, mobile, customizable with Molly attachment systems, and above all else is extremely safe, then you need to check out the Tethered Mantis Saddle and Predator platform. I took the plunge, of course, last year and have been using the Mantis Saddle and the Predator platform ever since and haven't looked back. If you think being more mobile or lighter will help you in the deer woods, then go to tetherednation.com. That's T-E-T-H-R-D-N-A-T-I-O-N. Com to learn more about all their products today. We are in the midst of Velvet Fest and Velvet Bucks. I've been enjoying some Velvet Buck pictures recently, and I'll talk about that here in a minute with my recent scout. But as you know, our buddies at Exodus Trail Cameras are helping us get the whitetail season kicked off officially with their Velvet Fest. So all month they've been giving away some killer prizes, and all you had to do to get involved was use the hashtag Velvet Fest anytime you posted an image of anything you're doing in the whitetail world. So whether it's food plots, shooting your bow, checking trail cameras, whatever the case is, Use the hashtag VelvetFest to get in included in this. Also, every single camera order comes with a random prize card. You scratch it off like an old-school lotto ticket, and it includes some uh, pretty killer deals, so don't miss out on the last week of that. So they've given away some pretty killer prizes to this point. As I mentioned, it's ending on July 12th, so you've got one more week to get involved, and this last giveaway will include an Exodus render package, which, if you don't know what that is, that is their cell camera that is about to drop, and it is pretty killer, so don't miss out on that. Get involved and get a chance to win or have a chance to win the Exodus render package. Uh, there's a lot to this campaign, so just head over to their website and make sure you sign up for their newsletter because you won't want to miss out on any of the details. They'll have all the details listed out there if you if you, if you you head to ExodusOutdoorGear.com. Uh, they'll also have a calendar that highlights the final details so you can kind of see what has happened throughout the month. If you're not familiar with Exodus, I'm, it'd be hard-pressed to think that you're not considering that I've been uh, touting them for nearly three years now at this point. But over the last four years, Exodus has consistently shown they build quality trail cameras that flat out work. And of course, the best trail camera warranty, uh, given that every single camera is backed by a five-year warranty and even comes with a theft and damage coverage. That's right. You heard it correctly. Five years, literally half of a decade, you'll be covered by the Exodus five-year warranty. But more than likely, you probably won't need it considering they are built to last, and I can attest to that. Be sure to take part in the Velvet Fest this last week, and be sure to tag our buddies at Exodus with anything you're doing in the outdoor world. They'd like to check uh, check in on you and see what you've been up to. So uh, let's get prepped for the summer and use the hashtag Velvet Fest to try to win that render package on the 12th, and the consolation prize is you get some killer pictures of Velvet Bucks.
Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 128. Today I'm joined by my buddy D-Rock from East Coast Bow Hunting, and we're covering nearly everything under the sun except for snakes, because I hate snakes. So stay tuned. All right, all right. What is going on out there? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope everyone is doing well. Hope everyone uh, retained all their fingers from this past 4th of July. Hope you had a good 4th of July. Hope you got a chance to get out and do a little barbecue. Nothing says 4th of July like burnt hot dogs and hamburgers on the on the grill. I think it's the only time of year that burning food is acceptable and eating burnt food is acceptable and maybe even preferred over the over the 4th of July weekend. So anyway, I hope uh, hope you had a good fourth. Hope you watched some fireworks. Hope you got some time in with the family. Hope you had a little time off from the from the nine to five grind. My fourth of July was relatively uneventful. Uh, actually, didn't even see fireworks this year. We actually made an attempt to go see fireworks, only to find out or realize that the fireworks weren't uh, being held that day. So I missed out on the fireworks. But I have a feeling we'll probably see some while we while we're on vacation because the fam and I are getting ready to. Uh, Getting ready to embark on our, our annual family vacation. We're headed north for a little while. Uh, so putting this podcast out and trying to get one more pulled together quickly before I get out of town so you guys have uh, another podcast for for next week. But uh, the 4th of July for me, you know, for a lot of folks, it, it spells really the, the, I guess, you know, the start of deer season, right? So you have Velvet Fest, which kind of kicks off deer season to a degree. The 4th of July is really kind of like my marker for when I start to get serious about it. It's where, where I really start to, if my cameras aren't out, I try to have everything out by the 4th. Um, most of the time I get them out over the 4th. Uh, this year I got them in a little earlier. I know I touched on this in a previous podcast, but, um, you know, have a few pieces. I want to say, I think I have six parcels this year that are brand new to me that I'm having to try to figure out. So I put cameras out earlier than I usually do because I needed to, you know, do a camera check and just make sure I was getting you know, either one inventory at all and had the cameras in the right places or two, you know, were there any decent deer around if I did have the, you know, cameras located in, in, in an appropriate spot. So that's what I actually did with my 4th of July holiday. Uh, I actually went out and checked a handful of cameras <clears throat> and, you know, my spring scouting really told me that, you know, there was one spot that I felt really, really good about. Um, and then a handful of others where I was kind of, I saw some sign that wasn't, it wasn't crazy. It, nothing told me that there was a, a big deer necessarily in that, air, in that area per se. Um, it, but I put cameras up anyway, cause I'm trying to just find some additional places to hunt, whether it's, you know, trying to fill the freezer with, with, with those and, and get on some areas where there's going to be just a lot of doe traffic. Or, you know, if I do see good sign, you know, I, I plop a camera down and see if I can't see who made that sign from the previous year. If, you know, if they are still alive. So that was, you know, my, my can't, my card pool was kind of a mixed bag. Um, you know, I first went to, I don't even remember which property I went to first, but the, the net net was that there was a, there was a piece that wasn't too far away from where I had seen some big deer, um, last year. And if you follow me on social media, if you follow me on Instagram, I had posted a, a picture of a pretty sizable rub, um, sizable really, I think for anywhere, but particularly sizable for, for Pennsylvania that I found this spring while I was scouting. And uh, I just kind of earmarked that spot for like, you know what, probably need to put a camera there. So 
hung a camera there, of course. I think it was like June 2nd or something like that. And uh, went and pulled all the cameras on this property. And I saw a couple young bucks, nothing nothing too crazy. Um, I had a, There's kind of a, a pinch point that goes to this food source. And I kind of hung a camera there just trying to get an inventory. I figured a lot of deer would pass this camera, and, and they did. Um, and I was hoping that, you know, just by percentages that if I have it near a food source, these deer will be rolling through, you know, I might catch a glimpse of one of the big deer that I thought might be living on that property or spending time on that property. And then from there I could try to figure out, you know, directionally where he's coming from based on where I saw his sign or where I saw sign that looked like it came from a big deer. Could I then start to figure out like where he might be staying? And then who knows if he transitions off and maybe another bigger deer, you know, transitions onto the property. That's also a possibility. So I just kind of have to watch and and, and play the game this year and, and, and read sign and just kind of see what happens as they go hard horned and stuff like that. So but the first puzzle piece was really just to even see if there was a big deer on that on that property in, in, in general. And uh, the first two cameras I pulled, again, like I said, nothing to really write home about some some young uh, young bucks. Uh, one looks like he would be an up-and-comer if he makes it through this year. He, he has some potential. Um, and then I pulled the final one, which was like the one that was in like the nasty area that you don't really want to hike in to check because it's buggy, it's crappy, it's in by a swamp. And But this is also where I found a bunch of his signs. So I made the hike in to this particular spot. Um and lo and behold, I pull the camera, uh, pull the, the card, I'm flipping through a couple young bucks, nothing too crazy, you know, lots of does in there again. Um, and all of a sudden, boom, big deer. So my scouting is starting to pay off from this past, this past spring. So we have at least a visual of one. So that got me kind of excited. Um, you know, it's always a good feeling to get a big deer on camera. And this is, this was, you know, sizable. Um, I, I don't see enough antler characteristics yet to be able to tell whether it's one of the ones that I, well, whether it was the one I had an encounter with last year or whether it was the one that was living in the swamp that I was hunting last year. Um, so I'm not sure quite yet if I know this deer or not, um, but it's a possibility. But regardless, you know, right now he's looking like he's going to be a mainframe eight with some pretty long uh, brow tines at, at this point. Um, and then we'll see if, you know, if he splits yet again and, and turns into maybe a 10, uh, down, down the road. But regardless, you know, I, I know, you know, he at least lives there for now. Um, you know, we'll just kind of continue to watch and see and, and, and hopefully he doesn't vanish on me or at least I can keep hopefully tabs on him as the, uh, as the season progresses. And then today I actually got out and hung my final camera, um, which went to the swamp. And I know there's a few big deer in there. I have a, had a few on camera at the end of the year last year that made it through. Um, they, they happen to give me the slip all year. Um, but, um, I'm hoping they make their way back and then, and, and, and have some fun chasing those guys in the swamp this year. So I'm, I'm holding out hope that I'm going to have a couple decent deer to go after. Then there's one more camera that I need to hang yet. Uh, that is in a, a super secret location, um, that only my buddy Tom knows about. And, uh, I actually found this deer sheds this year. It's the deer, deer that, uh, he and I found the sheds from, um, pretty decent, uh, pretty decent sheds. Um, should be a really good deer this year. So long as he didn't get hit by a car or, or the, or, you know, the wild take him. Um, so we have yet to hang a camera there. And, um, from the sign that we had seen last year, I feel like we were all up in his business. Um, so have a pretty good feeling about that. So we still need to hang that camera yet. And then we should be all kind of locked in at least for PA. And then of course I'm, uh, 
I'm relying on Johnny Utah out in out in Iowa to keep me um, to keep me informed of what's happening out there on the on the public out in in, uh, in Southeast Iowa. So that's really my update for the day. Pulled camera cards. Have one real good deer on camera. Pretty excited about it. And then gonna get ready to shove off uh, for vacation. But uh, uh, today's a cool podcast. It's my buddy D Rock from the East Coast Bow Hunters uh, East Coast Bow Hunting Podcast. Um, this is a buddy of mine that, uh, I met some, some years ago, we actually started chatting on online or on social media, uh, first before we met in person. Then he and I met in person at the Harrisburg show this year for the first time. Super cool dude. Uh, he's been hunting a long time, but whitetails is something that's relatively, you know, new to him. And it's, and it's always interesting to talk to people who, you know, have hunted for a long period of their life, but just recently, or, you know, in, in the recent past transitioned into, into whitetail hunting. He's got a sports background, which is which is kind of cool, and he and I think a lot alike in terms of, uh, you know, maybe some of the the mystical uh, things of 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 nature and and so forth. And we uh, and we touch on that a little bit as well. But we cover a lot of ground in this one, so be sure to tune in and listen to the entirety of it because there's some uh, there's some interesting uh, conversation that we have. But uh, without further ado, we'll get my buddy D Rock on. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today you are in for a treat. I have my brother from another mother fighting out of the red corner, weighing in in a svelte 185 pounds from the dirty D-Rock from East Coast Bow Hunter. What's up, brother? <sighs> and then the crowd yeah. goes wild. <laughs> yeah. What's good, Clint, man? What's Thanks good? for having Thanks for having me on, man. I really yeah, appreciate man. it. Yeah, for sure, man. It was, it's been a long time coming, dude. You and I have been chatting for, I don't know, dude. It's it, it's felt like it's been like two years since we first like connected online and started texting and stuff back and forth. Right, something like that. And uh, just, uh, I mean, I I now know what how it is in the podcast realm is, I mean, you, you try to squeeze in the podcast in between life and it's like, dude, there's hardly any time for anything. And families first. And then hunting second, and then you got to squeeze in the job and the podcast. It's like, I get it, man. I get right. it. I'm just glad we can make it happen. I know. I like that you put the job third. Very, very, uh, very astute of you to put that in there third. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that the money's at a minimum, you know? It's right. like, we just need to make enough to pay the bills and all, all in all, you know? Right, right. But yeah, so you and I met actually in a roundabout way online, and you actually connected me with your buddies from, uh, from working class, which I still, you know, shamefully haven't had, haven't had Kurt on yet. So that definitely needs to happen. We were just talking about that, you know, off, off air. Um, and we kind of struck up a, a friendship. You had me on your show texting back and forth and so forth. Um, you know, we got to connect actually in part, was it in person for the first time at Harrisburg? It was, it was for the first time. That's right. And, uh, quite honestly, um, you, you were a lot bigger in person, man. For some reason I thought you were, uh, like, like, for example, not not to compare the two, but uh, Cody DeQuisso, uh -huh. um, he looks a lot smaller because you guys wear kind of like not fitted clothes and shit. Right. And then, you know, you guys uh, take a layer off. It's like, damn, you guys work out. <laughs> it's like shit. <laughs> you know? It's a, dude, that's funny because I think that's the first time in my life that anyone has ever told me, dude, you look bigger in person. <laughs> well i'm saying like cody he looks like a like a small fry you know on on social what have you but when you meet him in person like damn this dude's jack too it's like damn right. it's like well, 
<laughs> I gotta get on the I gotta get on the ball. I probably look chubby. I don't let you meet me in person. I'm not so chubby. You know? No, you're not, man. You're put together, man. It's like put, you know, I meet you in a dark alley. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like it. You know what I mean? To put it, <laughs> put it that way. But dude, I, compared to Cody, though, man, it's like yes, you know, I, I do like to get up and and get a grind in in the morning and and so forth. But Cody, he's on a different level, man. He's on that like just straight warpath brutality level of, of working out, like maniacal. You know what I mean? That's his. That's his trick. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, he's on that three hundred level. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, mean, I can't do that, man. It's like I've already had one surgery from from working out that I don't need to have any more of them. Like that was that was my kind of like break point. I was like we had moved back to Philadelphia, and I was I was in good shape when we moved back. But like you know, mainly living in Orlando, I was doing just a lot of cardio and you know yoga, being being all hippie. Um, not really, but. Um, you know, flexibility was required, you know, it's like, I'd let it go for like a long time. I just did some investigating into like what, you know, total health kind of looks like or feels like or whatever. And, and yoga seemed to be an important part of it. Truth be told, man, I needed one more class to graduate from college and like found out late in a summer semester. And the only class that was really available was a three hour yoga class a week. Jesus, um, yoga's tough too. Yeah, dude, try three hours a week, like one session, three hours. Like that was brutal. And so that's kind of what got Fuck me. Fuck that. I'd rather run a 10K. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Well, dude, I tried to get into bowling and it was full. And then I tried to get into <laughs> I tried to get into golf because I was like, well, you know, golf come in, come in handy at some point maybe. And that, yeah. was, and that was full. And it was like the only thing that was left was a three-hour yoga class, you know? And I was like, oh, you know, girls you know, tight yoga pants. This might not be that bad, but no, <laughs> yeah. it, it was, it was bad. It was, it was all the way around bad, but <laughs> it was, um, struggling word. Yeah. <laughs> struggling. struggling the class. And there was always one person in every class that would totally beef while they were in a, in a move, like, you know, <laughs> and the whole class would just kind of look around, you know, so with the stagnant humidity oh, in the yeah. air. Yeah. It's just like, it smells like funky feet and, and assholes essentially in that room. It was, <laughs> it was awful, but no, but that's kind of my trip because, you know, after we moved back, I never really went to the gym. Like I was, I went to the gym a lot whenever I was growing up and was wrestling and stuff like that, you know, cause you know, when I say I went to the gym, it was just part of like the workout routine. But, you know, I was never a big gym guy. I was always more of like a do-it-yourselfer type of person. Word. And then yeah. when, I, when I moved to Philly, I w- my wife and my daughter weren't with me yet. And so I had free time. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'll join the gym and I'll just start going to the gym a couple of days a week. And I was doing that and like I started lifting heavier and heavier and heavier and then ended up just injuring myself and having to have surgery. And after that, I was like, you know what? I'm not trying to win any competitions. I'm just trying to like be healthy and fit in the clothes that I bought two years ago. Like, let's just be yeah. honest with me. Let's <laughs> just be honest here. It's that's what it is. I just want to look good naked. <laughs> yeah. I, not even that, you know, it's, I don't even need to go that far. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> nobody wants to see that, you know? So no matter what it looks like, you know? So, um, and then, so after that, I was like, you know what, just body weight stuff. So now it's more like kettlebells hit UFC, like fight training type stuff. So, that's mainly go. what I do, but Cody's on like, you know, lifting Volkswagens in the morning, essentially, is, is what that guy's up to. Yeah, so. I think he graduated up to uh, the buses now, BW buses. So. Did he get into the buses? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does he, now, does he leave the hookah in or does he take the hookah out first? No, he leaves the hookah in. Okay. So this way, you know, as soon as he's done, he can, you right. know, do the deed. Partake. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, it's but, part of health. We got to be healthy. Right, exactly, man. You know, it's like, dude, the one thing I am on right now, dude, is the is that CBD thing, the CBD trip. Like that. Yo, isn't that magic? Dude, I'll tell you what, man. Like, I went to, 
where did I go? And we're not even talking about hunting right now. We'll get to it, folks. Just just hang on with us here. Hang on with us. Um, <laughs> my, my bad, fellas. My bad. <laughs> I was uh, I went to a massage therapist that's close to my house that my wife goes to, and I don't go very often. But I was having some like neck problems and some shoulder problems and stuff, and so not an Asian one, right? No, no. This oh, was a, okay. this was a legit one. I'm not pulling a Robert Kraft here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm, no RK, yeah. no, no RK here. Um, I didn't inhale. Right. <laughs> I didn't tip afterwards. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just a tip. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so you know, my wife was like, you know, have, she's been seeing this lady for like a little while and she's like, she's great. She check her out. So I was like, sure. I made an appointment, went and, you know, it was like, this is the issue I'm having my neck, whatever, my shoulder. She hooked me up, felt, you know, felt good leaving there. She's really good. So it's like, I'll probably start going back to her more, more often, but we started talking just about like CBD and stuff like that. And her friend actually is like a pharmacologist and like created her own CBD cream. And it's just finishing like whatever labeling that she needs to actually be in pharmacies. Like she can sell outside of pharmacies, but for a pharmacy, you have to go through like a, an, an additional like protocol of some sort, I think. And that DC and whatnot. Yep. Yeah. Something. And, and, and so she was doing that to be all legit to be in, be in pharmacies. Cause there was, I don't know if it was a big farm. I was something like CVS or Walgreens or something like that. I was going to start carrying her, carrying her product. Um, so, and she had some there and I didn't have any cash on me except for what I was paying her, you know? And I was like, you know, I don't have any cash. She's like, well, here, let me give you some to take home and try it out. Cause I have, I have tendonitis actually in my left elbow from shooting my bow so often. And Damn. yeah. So, and it's been bothering me for like a year and a half. And there's some days where I can't even shoot because it just hurts to pull, pull my bow back and then I'll let it rest for a couple of days and then it, then it'll feel better. And you know, if I shoot a bunch, it'll start to bother me again. So she gave me the CBD cream to put on it and dude, it is like a miracle worker. Like my, it, I have a little bit of pain in it once in a while, but like before I started using the CBD cream and it's like, I was having like throbbing pain whenever I would shoot. So I was afraid it might cut my, my archery career short, which was it would be a bummer dude i'm a huge advocate for that because uh my fiance she's uh she's lcsw so she's you know all into the essential oils mm-hmm. and what have you and and cbd is like a huge huge thing now and she was doing that early on where it wasn't so popular and it was crazy because it's it's very progressive or it used to be very progressive in the fact that she would uh, suggested to certain parents for their kids mm-hmm. for for certain things like uh, whether it be anxiety or anything like that because you know they make every type of form of CBD whether it be droplets yeah. and just so just in case for your listeners out there if they don't know what CBD is it's basically everything about weed without the THC and yeah. psychoactive ingredients to it yeah or and um basically what it is is an all natural muscle relaxer. And I want to say even I I dare to say like a mental stability type thing because it allows you to focus for me. I could say for me, it allows you to focus uh, mentally on the subject at hand. So I because I have ADHD like really bad. My my mind's a mile a minute. Mm -hmm. It seems like with that, I could actually focus on one thing and really put my all into it, you know? Yeah. So it, it's it really is like magic, man. It's yeah, like man. magic for sure, man. And it's it's uh, I, and correct me if I'm wrong. You might know, you probably know more about it than I do. But it, there's there's multiple varieties of cannabinoids, right? That's how you say it, I think. That that are in the correct plant itself. Some of them are cannibal cannabinoids, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. 
that are related yep. to THC, which is a psychoactive component of it. And then there's cannabinoids that are related to the CBD component of, of the plant, which are not psychoactive, which are more, um, you know, I guess physical might be a way to say it, you know what I mean? Where it's like you, you have a physical reaction to it, whether it calms you down, whether it's, um, whether it takes pain away, whether it reduces anxiety or whatever the case sure. it is. Even um, kids with seizures or epilepsy, yeah. it works for them too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, overall it's, it, the plant in general is a, is a powerful, um, is a powerful tool when wielded correctly, you know? So I'm, I'm glad to see that there's a lot of States in Pennsylvania just actually legalized for medicinal purposes. So, Nice. Um, yeah, uh, that was about a year ago. I guess that it happened a little over a year ago. So cool. I'm excited to see that people can actually use it for, you know, for, for some good intentions and, and get help from it and stuff like that. Because there's been so many. I mean, I work in that space in the pharmaceutical space. Right. That's what I do for a living. It's like I work in marketing and advertising for, you know, any number of therapies and, cat- and therapeutic categories. And cool. You, you'd get along with my buddy, Adam in Michigan, uh, Bowhunter Chronicles. Oh, OK. Yeah. Is it, he do the it- same thing. Yeah, he's in the same realm. I think he owns a pharmaceutical uh, facility. Oh, really? Yeah. He makes yeah. a lot more than I do then. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that works. His pad did look pretty legit, man. I mean, yeah. it definitely put mine to shame, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got a castle on the hood compared to everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nice, nice. But so, I mean, we've already, we've almost blown past the intro portion of things. But before we get too far gone, I, I would like for, for you to just give a little bit of background about yourself and stuff like that for those out there listening that don't know who, who D-Rock is, you know, where you're from, what you do for a living and, uh, you know, how you, I guess that's, we'll start to dive into a little bit of hunting and also add in there how you got started hunting. Sure, sure. Um, well, um, again, thank you for having me on. My, my name is D-Rock from the East Coast Bowhunting Podcast. Uh, I'm from Waterbury, Connecticut, a.k.a. The Dirty Dirty. The Dirty. Uh, yeah, um, you can find me on any social platform that you can think of, as well as the podcast. I do have a personal account and the podcast account, so this way I can do my, my dirt on my personal account and try to keep it as legit as possible on the on the East Coast account. Right. <laughs> so, so on Instagram... Um, it's uh, D Rock WCB Soldier. Uh, that's my personal account, and uh, East Coast Bowhunting Podcast for the podcast account. And Facebook is uh, D Rock Clark is my personal, and East Coast Bowhunting Podcast for the podcast account. And it's pretty much similar in all the other platforms. I mean, if you if there's a platform, I'm on it. Right. And um, we. Or I, I'm so used to saying we all the time because of the podcast, but uh, I, I'm from uh, Connecticut, originally born in Iowa, raised in Mexico, and then we moved back to Connecticut. Um, I've been here since I've been a young lad, probably like eight years old in Connecticut. Hmm. So um been kind of around the world since then and. And something keeps on drawing me back to Connecticut, fucking Connecticut, man. <laughs> you know, it just draws you back. I don't know what it is. Right. And I love represent the whole East Coast. Uh, you know what? I, I always stick out like a sore thumb. I'm the dude with, with long curly hair and gold chain around my neck and, and all tatted up. And I probably don't belong in the hunting industry, but I'm good at it. <laughs> right. yeah, I love it, dude. I love it. So, how did you get started hunting? Like, when did all this? When did all that kick off? 
actually, as a young lad, like I said, I was born in Iowa, West Des Moines, Iowa. Mm-hmm. And when I became, I believe, two turning three, we moved to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Be- well, back to Mexico. All my siblings were born born in Monterrey, Mexico. Yeah. Uh, it's about three hours uh, south of El Paso, Texas. Mm-hmm. And my family down in Mexico, believe it or not, they're actually well set off. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather owned a few Cadillac dealerships and uh, auto part chain store called Polipartes, and he owned a few ranches. So he got me into hunting, and we used to shoot all, all different kinds of things. I was a young lad shooting handguns, rifles, and he really, really was persistent on the bow. So he stuck a recurve in my hands when I was about, I want to say four turning five, because I, I was a big four-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my friends, especially, I mean, you think Mexican, like short brown Oompa Loompas. I was actually <laughs> I was actually one of the light skinned kind of uh, taller individual. And people would look to me for like for coverage, you know, like, right. go to him. He knows what he's doing. He's part American. <laughs> you know, it's like so um, that being said, we go shoot. Mainly he started me on rabbit and like grouse like birds. Um, I did shoot. Uh, something like a um, a Cody. It's sort of like a raccoon slash anteater type looking thing, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, never oscillated turkey. And I kind of like before, oh, God rest his soul, before my grandfather passed, I used to rag on him like, why didn't you ever take me turkey hunting? It's like it's like hunting peacock, but in Mexico, you know? Right. And he's like, well, I just never had him on my ranch. I'm like, all right. Rightfully so. Right. <laughs> you know, <I> like, <laughs> good answer. Good. En- yeah, good enough. <laughs> And um, so to fast forward, uh, I just once I moved back to the States, all my friends either rode power motorsports, either played music or they hunted. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, we all found each other. All, all three different realms always found each other in the woods, mm-hmm. whether it be power motorsports or BMX bikes, hunting, even playing music. It's just it's that whole woods crew. Right. And um, just growing up in, in Connecticut, I was strong on my bow. And again, it was always just uh, turkey, grouse, rabbit, even squirrel. Squirrel was fun because that was the hardest to shoot with a bow. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and and it just took off from there, man. It was pretty cool. Yeah, dude. So you've been, you've been at it a long time, man. So uh, Iowa, Mexico... Connecticut like that's 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 quite a voyage yeah and that was just as a lad you know it's like um to fast forward a bit like I've never hunted whitetail I was just gonna ask when when did you when did you start hunting whitetail 2017 2017 you've been hunting since you were just like barely old enough to walk and you and you your first whitetail hunt was 2017 that's crazy man yeah, man, and I feel like I got gypped. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> right. what the fuck? I didn't, I didn't connect with the, with the right friends at the time, I guess, or or the right influences. Um, and, and you know what? I have a huge football career and, and music career, or kind of like life upbringing that maybe that's what deterred me. I don't know. Right. And I was so focused on football because you know, like every kid's dream, you know, of you're course. gonna be a pro, gonna be a pro, blah blah blah. You know. Right. And. And not to get too deep into it, but my freshman year, I had 38 games because I played freshman, ball, JV, varsity. And then I ended up getting a full ride to Syracuse. 
but then it stopped at Syracuse. So I went back to my roots, which was, you know, fixing cars, which is my day to day and, and, and hunting, you know, like that, that was always my go-to. Mm-hmm. And I found myself in Louisiana straight after uh, losing my scholarship because I blew out my knee. I had an athletic scholarship and my grades weren't good enough. Because uh, you know what they say in, in college? If you're playing sports, man, whatever they say about college athletes, it's true, man. Yeah. I cheated. I cheated a lot in the fact that they give you all the help you need to make sure you pass your classes. Right. I'll leave it at that. Right. I'll leave it at that. Um, but my... Lo and behold, my GPA GPA needed to be a 3.5 and it wasn't high enough. So I went back to my roots and I found myself in Louisiana uh, living on on base in Fort Polk with my brother. Uh, He served for the Army and we're just outside of Leesville, Sleesville, (laughs) uh, Louisiana. And that's where I started getting to the big game world. Obviously, ton of turkey. And, you know, I would first start off by myself. And it's a funny story because I was out there just outside the swamp area hunting turkey. And it was just outside of base because I had to make sure I was outside of base. Otherwise, I'd get tackled by some dude in, in camo. Right. Like military camo. Right. And, D- uh, different, different camo. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm calling and, and calling and they're gobbling like crazy. And it's a totally different realm. You know, it's like Mosquito Haven. Yeah. And I'm just sweating my ass off. And this bird comes in. I draw back on my recurve, smack him. Um, I actually smacked him right in the face that he like ran around in circles and then smashed on the ground. And then all of a sudden you hear the. Yee-hoo! I'm like, what the fuck? I, he's, and this dude just comes out of nowhere in no shirt, overall camo, uh, overalls. <laughs> and he's like. Man, that right there was the sickest shot I've seen all year. I'm like, who the fuck are you, man? I'm like, I didn't even know he was there, though. And it, it, I ended up becoming good friends with him. It's Robbie, my my boy Robbie Thurman from Sleesville, Louisiana. And we ended up hooking up, and he introduced me to Bowhunt and Gator. And he was just so amazed at the shot. And honestly, that was a lucky shot. Right. Because a truth be told, I was actually aiming for for the vitals and right. i ended up smack in the face so i mean i it was just a lucky shot it Dude, really you was. Gotta, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah. so exactly and uh and my boy robbie he introduced me to bohan gator man it was just it was just a whole different realm and i i stepped into the big game realm uh then and there and uh to fast forward to connecticut jumping a couple decades um in my 30s my, my boy, I give all the credit to my boy, Jay Grenier, out of Wolcott, Connecticut. He uh, introduced me to whitetail hunting. And as soon as he got me, it was spring spring season turkey. And we're not only hunting turkey, but we're scouting for deer. And, he, and I was always infatuated with deer hunting and stuff. But I never really had the sack to kind of, it was a bit daunting to me. Like, I, I, I was a, a little reluctant to jump in. Right. Because that's that's like hunting a mini horse, basically. Right. <laughs> and I didn't want to make the mistake of a bad shot. And all I really knew was a recurve. I never really hunted uh, a compound too much. Right. Like once I got into gator hunting is that's when I broke out the compound. I still have the same one. Nice. A Browning Mirage solo cam 
it's only a 29 inch axle to axle so it's it's a small kind of lo- low pound it only 65 draw, uh, pound draw and um so 2016 i was determined to a- actually get into learning about hunting whitetail and i dipped my my brain into everything whether it be magazines obviously all the uh monster buck videos and, and watching waddell on tv and just anything that I can learn from whitetail hunting, uh, Bowhunter Magazine, Peterson Magazine, like everything I get my hands on. And then I found podcasts. Mm-hmm. In 2016, I, yeah. yeah, I didn't even know what a podcast was, but oh my God, it's like such a huge ball of information in many different ways and platforms and views. Because mm-hmm. you can hear podcasts from West Coast, podcasts from uh, Mid- Midwest podcast from Pennsylvania. It's like, and then all the only East Coast one that I found um, was out of New Hampshire, and, and I'll I'll leave it nameless. It's like it was full of information, but it was a bit boring. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. But I still listened to it because of the information. You know, I was determined. Yep. And and even at times like. Uh, Ranella probably smacked the shit out of me for saying this. Even some of his podcasts were a bit boring. Right. Uh, but there's some that were so intriguing and so entertaining that obviously I still listen to him because to me, for me, myself, he's the GOAT right. in the hunting industry. Um, and then I, I fell upon a working class bow hunter, which was the most relatable to me. Mm-hmm. And I kept on digging and digging, found... I actually found a uh, deer hunter, your boy, Kevin, yep. before I found yours. But guess what? Because of his podcast, I found your podcast. Right. And then yep. I was hooked between working class deer hunter and truth from the stand. Yep. I was just like, yeah, like this is my main three go to because that was the most relatable to me. Yep. Not everyone is an expert on these three platforms and everyone's having fun and they're talking about the fun of it, but they had the right guests to have the correct information. Right. I mean, I think, I think the, you know, podcasts make it, I don't want to say easy. That's not the right way to say it, but they make, you know, evolving as a hunter. And, and we'll just say deer hunter specifically, since that's what we're talking about. But right. even, even if it's elk hunting or whatever, whatever type of, you know, game you want to pursue, <clears throat> there's a podcast out there for you to, to learn that. And man, it just expedites your learning curve as far as like, I mean, I remember growing up. Did I just hear a Shabin? Oh uh, uh, no, that was my lighter. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, <laughs> I thought it was. Like... I, I, I'm tapping the pipe right now. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> wait, so... wait, 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 wait. hold on, hold on, hold on. Shabin. <laughs> the uh, for those for those just for, crack one <laughs> right for for anyone who's not aware the the uh, East Coast Bowhunter podcast is brought to you by Shabin Beer. So there you go. <laughs> the uh, so what I was going to say is that you know it just expedites your learning curve for whatever it is. I mean, take it even outside of hunting, man. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I listen to about like entrepreneurial like endeavors, about leadership, about uh, marketing. You know, I of course listen to hunting podcasts. It's like I listen to podcasts that just span a, a bunch of different types of information. And you're right, man. It's like you find the one that's the right flavor for you that fits what you can relate to you know what i mean because i did a similar thing as you it's like you know i grew up hunting white tails and stuff like that but it's like 
I only had the information from those, you know, some of the old timers I grew up around and, and some of it was really good information, but some of it was, you know, um, and there's nothing wrong with it, but it just wasn't necessarily how I wanted to hunt, which was, you know, more that orange army rifle, Pennsylvania rifle deer hunting, which is cool. But once I fell into bow hunting, it was like that didn't really tickle my fancy anymore. And so I was really looking for specifically bow hunting information. Right. And, you know, I started off at all the same places you kind of started off which of, which was like, I was, you know, reading a ton of magazines, you know, um, we didn't have, you know, cable growing up. So I really didn't see many of the, the shows I did know of like the DVDs, but I never really, uh, watched them. We didn't own any, own any of them. Um, and so a lot of it was just like through, through that and meeting people. And then it was kind of falling into podcasts. It's like, I've learned, I've become such a better deer hunter. Like I put it this way from the day that I started deer hunting to the day that I found podcasts that say I was like at 30%, right. Of the deer, of the hunter I could be right. from the moment that I started listening to podcasts and started a podcast till, till now. I've probably, you know, become, you know, 80% of the deer hunter that I could possibly be, you know what I mean? It's just like, and, and it's like the, I had the, like from like year being 10 years old when I first started going to the timber with my dad till I was in like, you know, my early thirties till I found and started listening to podcasts, you know what I mean? It's like that amount of time I was only at 30% and then go from like mid thirties to now I'm 41. It's like, and I've grown like 80%. It's like, that's, how quickly you can expedite your learning curve because the information is, is dense. It's a wide variety. You pick the topic or you pick the shows that are going to relate to you and the type of terrain you're on and, or that you're hunting in and the type of game you're chasing and stuff like that. So, I mean, to me, it's like, I dude, I don't know what I would do without some of the information I have from podcasts. And in, when you start doing podcasts, it's like the guests you have one, it's like you and I were talking before this. It's like, the Rolodex you get of like guys who now become your friends who are a killer podcast. And I'm not talking about just guys that people know their names. It's like guys that people, that people don't know that are killer that nobody knows about, you know what I mean? It's like, and I think whenever I was on your show, we talked about that a little bit, a little bit too, but I'm curious, man, like let's go down the path of like the guys who maybe people don't know about like that, that get it done. And, and when I say get it done, that are just really good deer hunters that you look to for information and that you try to tap, you know, for guidance, who are those guys? At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages. Things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Bro, right off the rip, I, I think of my my killer three right off the rip for whitetail specific big buck killers. It's uh, Kurt Geyer, Austin Chandler, and Ross Bigger. Mm-hmm. Nice. Those three, I always reach out for opinions information and they're not necessarily known for that or in in the hunting industry for being a big buck killer but they get it done every single year they Mm -hmm. get it done um because of podcasting now uh and having east coast bow hunting podcasts i can now reach out to um 
a, a totally different realm yeah of people that that it's just i won't i won't list the names but it's just crazy what the podcast realm uh opens you up to yeah 100 percent uh before before even knowing kurt though because through um hooking up with kurt i met austin chandler and ross bigger um before that it was just local legends here mm-hmm. uh on the east coast uh like i said my boy jay grenier um his actually his stepfather which it, which his stepfather's name is mark i forget his last name but i call him uh deer slayer he's in, mm-hmm. in my in my contacts is mark deer slayer <laughs> nice yeah, and then uh, my boy Brian here, and they're all—I uh, want to say, forty-five and above. Right. You know, they've been bow hunting a long time, yeah. and that's that's all they do. It's like, and in Connecticut, there's so much deer that opening day, uh, we do have that motto: if it's brown, it's down. We get the kind of opening day jitters out, fill the freezer, and then we attack for the big buck. Right. You know. Yeah, I think for me, man, like you know. And, and I'm, I'm going to go, and, and this is regardless of, I'll frame it this way. If I have like some deer Intel and I'm trying to figure something out, like there's three or four guys that I'll converse with, you know, to try to figure it out on the regular that are like my tried and true t- trusted dudes. Um, one of them is Chad Sylvester, you know, um, Oh word. That's a good one. You know, like the guys, people listen to this will know who he is, you know, owns Exodus, um, you know, but he's one of my good friends and it's like, I'll, I'll see a buck or I'll jump a buck when I'm scouting a new piece. And like, and I'll literally send him the the map coordinate so he can look at it. And I'll say, Hey man, you know, I saw him in this, I know at this elevation on this Ridge, there's a funnel down here and he'll be able to see it on the map. There's a saddle here. And I think there's doe bedding here and we'll talk through like strategy. We'll either have a phone call or we'll text, you know, and, and I've hunted. And dude, he's a genius too, man. Oh, when it comes so to strategy. Man. It's, it's funny, man, because like, you know, I'll bag on him and he'll bag on himself when we hunt together and stuff like that. Cause you know, he's not put a, a good deer down in a couple of years, but he's also passed some deer. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, yeah. Cause I don't know how much you know about his story, but like when he, the first deer he shot was a, was a Boone and Crockett buck the first buck yeah. he ever killed, you know, and he's killed two of them. And so it's like, he's passed a lot of deer over the years because he's, you know, once the, he's, he's looking for a mature deer and he, you know, and he hunts public land and, um, some hard places to hunt. I've hunted with him in some of those spots and we've had good deer on camera, just haven't been able to put it together or have passed deer or whatever. But, you know, he's, he's such a smart hunter. Um, and he's a grinder and, he doesn't, he has no quit in him. And that's one of the reasons why I like to go on hunting trips with him because it's just like, we're, we're kind of built to hunt together. We hunt similarly and we're willing to go through the, through the shit to have a, to have a good time. And if we don't kill, that's just as fine, but we leave every time going, you know what? I know a bunch more than I knew the last time, you know? Hell yeah. That's what it's about too. And then the other guy is uh Johnny Utah. He's one of my first calls. Like, I uh, love that dude, man. Yeah, I really do. He's, he's just a, very positive dude, man. Down yeah. there. Yeah, man. He's just, he's good people. Hell of a hunter. Uh, puts big deer on the ground. And, and, but it's interesting because, you know, and John tells this story. It's like he's, he got into bow hunting late. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't until I think he was, was like in his thirties or something like that, that he got into bow hunting, um, you know, after he left the, or was getting ready to leave the police force. Um, you know, but the dude just has, he, he went at it so hard for so long, you know, like his, his knowledge level is just beyond like there's guys that have been hunting, you know, bow hunting for 30 years that John knows more about bow hunting, man. You know what I mean? 
Um, and he's just one of those dudes that whenever he gets something, he just, he just figures it out. Like he just tears it apart. That's just his nature. Oh yeah. I, um, I guarantee you he's probably got like ADD or ADHD too. Right. <laughs> guarantee that shit. He, he might. Cause that's what happens. And you just, you, you become obsessed over it. You do. You do. Um, my other call is, uh, mm-hmm. is bow hunting fiend, Greg Letzinger. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Like, and I mean, it's cool cause Greg's, you know, not far away from me. Actually, I'm getting together with him this weekend. Um, he's actually going to set up my bow cause I've had a bow sitting in my archery shop for like almost two months that I haven't set up yet. That's I'm going to shoot this year, but it's a whole other story. It's not, my life's a bit of a mess as far as like times, <laughs> as far as time's concerned, I just had zero time to set up this bow, <laughs> but, but Greg's awesome because it's the same thing. Like when we, like we'll share pictures with each other, like when we get trail camera pictures and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we'll talk through like the deer that we're seeing and like little things like he hunts a lot of swamp. And last year was the first year that I was hunting swamp. And, uh, and so I was hitting him up a good bit saying, Hey, you know, this is what I'm seeing with these deer, you know, um, you know, there was one in particular I kept kind of getting daylight pictures of, and I just kept missing him. And then he's like, look, man, he's like, you're on top of his bedding. You're seeing him at this time, you know, and I kind of showed him a map or sent him a picture of like the terrain or whatever. And, um, yeah, you got to check that first transition. Yeah. That first man. transition. Well, it's, you know, so you, you say that and it's funny because I was literally sitting in a tree the one day and, um, was talking to, I actually was, I was kind of pissed because I was, I kept screwing this hunt up and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I actually text Mr. Enfault, uh, you know, Enfault to just, I was like, eh, I'm going to throw him a text and see if, he, see if he'll respond. He's probably hunting, but sure. Shit. He responded. And he was like, where are you at? And I told him and he was like, did you check the first transition in? I was like, no, I didn't. Oh, like, no shit. You know what I mean? And the thing was, is like, I knew better. And, and he was like, you know what? He's like, get out of your, get out of the tree with a little bit of daylight left. He's like, and hit that first transition and give it a, and give it a pass and see what you see. And I got there, dude. And like all the buck sign was right there. All of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was like, I didn't even have to show him anything. Like he just gave me, I gave him a couple pieces of information. He was like, yeah, go here and look. He's like, that's where your bucks are at. And he was right. But so, I mean, I think that that's the coolest thing of like the podcasting world is just like, the friends that I've been able to make like you, you know what I mean? And then all the guys I just mentioned that are just dudes I can rely on for good Intel, man. You know what I mean? That I can trust, which is, I know, man. And and they don't steer you wrong either, man. They really like, they truly want you to succeed. And that's what it's about, man. And and on our show, it's like, I, I, this is what, um, I I have to give a lot of credit to, to my co-host East coast, Trev, and and also my co-host, uh, Ryan, the porn star is like, they're they're really big advocates over here uh in ct and and we're all so friendly to everyone because we want everyone to succeed and and our whole mission not to get off subject uh, our whole mission is uh bringing conservation numbers up right and and if we were all on that same mission i mean especially someone with like me and yourself clint is mm-hmm. we have families and little ones we want to make it a better place for them to hunt Yep. better avenues better opportunities that we could ever expect mm-hmm. you know and the only way that's going to happen is if we really kind of banded together and the the analogy i always put out there it's kind of corny but it's kind of true is it like as small as the ant right and the ant and, and its army and its queen is like they always band together to accomplish the one goal and you know what when you have that many numbers to accomplish one goal guess what happens they're successful. Yep. So it's like if we could stop the like segregation 
and become the actual like quote unquote United States of America, mm-hmm. especially us as like I wouldn't even say hunters, like conservationists. You mm-hmm. know, the the person that pays for their camping permits, the yep. person that pays for bird watching or what have you, or the bird stamps, the the person that hunts, the angler, I, even the basic like volunteer. Um, you know, I, back in the day in my like hippie days, I went through a little hippie phase. I was uh, with the Citizens Environmental Coalition going mm-hmm. to, through legislature and passing bills and shit like that. Because I strongly believe in this shit. It's like yeah. the only way it's going to happen is if we really not even a, a convincing, but the education of our surroundings, because mm-hmm. it's very easy to get wrapped up in our day by day. Yeah, because we, we we need to work and make money to live, unfortunately. Um, but if shit hits the fan, guess what? Money doesn't matter. Power's down. And honestly, I hate to say it, but if shit hits the fan, and the grid were just to go fucking black. Guess what? Mother Earth would be much better off, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with like the whole idea of just trying to do better, be better and, and, and help help folks, you know, regardless of what it is. I, and I think that that's what we're both kind of hitting on is like the crew that we spend our time with and the guys that we, you know, are close friends that we count on and stuff like that and, and look I, I know for you as well it's like those are just the guys that i mentioned like there's a whole host of other dudes that i consider to be you know a plus yeah, solid endless. solid guys you know what i mean it's endless, just like yeah you know you know that's why i framed it if i were gonna call four people if i had a big buck on i've had if i had a, had the drop on a big buck and i was trying to finish putting the puzzle pieces together those would be the four dudes i would call you know what i mean that's Hell how yeah. I, that's how i frame that but there's a host those of are, other dudes those that, are that awesome help me out. four dudes man yeah, yeah, but I mean, there's a host of other dudes that, like that I pick up knowledge from and just like text messages and phone conversations or running into them at trade shows or whatever it is, you know, it, it just like you pick up little bits and pieces here and like they're all willing to share, man, you know what I mean, for the most part. Like I, I'm hard pressed to say that I've run into very many hunters. Like when I say very many hunters, I'm talking like legit passionate, like ate up with it hunters. I'm not talking about like, the guy who's a dick that just goes out and doesn't live the lifestyle, but like, but goes out to, you know, a handful of days a year or whatever. And, you know, acts like an but asshole. They to live everybody. It. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but they got the, they got the truck and the shirt and the jeans. And so to them, they're living it. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, uh, but I've not met many, uh, guys that live it. Like when I say live it, and I'm not talking like you have to be at a trade show to be considered living it, but like I run into a lot of dudes there, right. That are just like normal guys, you know, whether it's the DeQuistos, right. Getting to talk to his old man, dude, I sat and talked to him in Iowa for like a half hour. And like, he was, he didn't know me. Like I'd never met him before. And Cody introduced me to him. Cause we were, you know, doing a podcast with him and we started talking to, to him, you know, John and I started rapping with him. We spent like a half hour talking and he just was dropping all kinds of knowledge on us. Like, you talking know about I mean? being real. Yeah. yeah. And, he, and he doesn't know me from Adam and like, and John went over to do something. He had to go do something. And so I sat there, I stood there and talked with Andre for a little while. It's like, and he doesn't know me from anybody, but he was willing to sit there and just talk deer hunting with me. You know what yeah. I mean? Answered any question I had, gave me a couple scenarios and it's like, and that's how most guys are that I, that I run into at these, at these things, you know what I mean? So I think you're right, man. It's like if we just all had a little bit more of that and more concern for not to be all hippy dippy, but our brothers and sisters, we might be a yeah. little, might be a little better off, you know. 
if everyone would just hit the pipe a little more, I think we'd be on the same page. <laughs> be on D, be on D Rock's wavelength. But, uh, so it's speak, all about love, brother. It's, it's all about, about love. love. Bring you, you know, back, bring you give back. Give someone a hug. Right, bringing you back to your hippie days. Speaking of hippie days, man, I, I did something that was pretty. I mentioned it on a podcast, but have you ever tried a um, sensory deprivation tanks, flotation uh, tanks? Yo, those are yo. Yeah. Not only did I try that, right? Oh my god. Yeah, you, um, want, you want to figure out the meaning of life, get into a sensory deprivation tank. Bro, I did one better. I got a story for you. So, right, uh, so okay. So we're going to backtrack a bit. Um, when I lost my scholarship at Syracuse. Oh, first of all, what are you sipping on, man? Literally, I'm sipping on water right now. Really? Yeah. Damn, how the hell are you going to have me on your podcast? You're going to be sipping on water, man. I know, I know, man. It's, Damn, it's like I, I you're got cheating some, on me. I, I know, it's like I got some, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, man, I got some adulting to do tonight after we get done that I was like, I got I to gotta keep it on the real here. No, no it's all good. It's all good. I'm just pulling Call, you Calling me out on my show? What's up with that? <laughs> no, no, I didn't mean to. It's just, you know. How do you, how do you, how do you think I stay so swole? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so um, so I lose my scholarship, right? And you know, for for an individual, any athlete out there that has that could relate, and and athletics is like the world to you. You get so indulged, uh, just like whitetail hunting. I I could really compare it to that because that's all I think, sleep, dream, and, and live is whitetail hunting right now. And before then, it was football, right? Right. So I lose my scholarship. It was so devastating, like emotionally and mentally, because, you know, you, you convince yourself that you're really going to make it. Like the, the, the track record that I have, I had, I had a good chance, like not to boast myself at all. It's like I had a shot. Right. Well, I mean, you were, you were at a D one school and that's, I mean, you know, which Dude, increases I was your the, chances. I was the lightest skinned motherfucker on the uh, on the Syracuse <laughs> team, man. You know what I mean? If I ran fast enough uh, compared to everyone else, it's like I I stood out. I'll put right, it that way, right. right? And as a freshman, I got I got PT. So so that was like all the verification I needed and, and validation. And then to lose all that in, in just one split second in scrimmage against Penn State, I'll never forget it. Right. It's such a life, like devastating blow, mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally, that you really kind of try to find life, right? Mm-hmm. And, and me, you know, being the hippie that I was and and still kind of am, is uh, I was always pro conservation, pro hunting, and and I mean, I had to go back to my roots, so. Um, you know, I, I dropped some shrooms at that time. And mind you, for all your listeners out there, right now I, I'm 37 years old. So we're going back to like my very, very early 20. I think I was 19, 20 years old, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I dropped an eighth of shrooms, and uh, which applause, applause out to Colorado for uh, making that <laughs> right. Yeah, that transition. Yeah. yeah, 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 because it is a medicine, man. I'm telling you, um, I have good experiences only with shrooms. And the reason I decided to do that, right, is not that my mind was in a dark place, right? I was just kind of lost. 
You're contemplating. In the se- yeah. Yeah. In, in the sense of like, well, what, what the hell do I do now? Right. And not that I encourage everyone to go out, you know, do that. It's just, if you've dabbled, I think that's a very good way, especially for someone like with ADHD or ADD, whatever. It's a good way to kind of just press the reset button and get your train of thought. So I do that, right? It was maybe, I want to say like four days after I find out I lose my scholarship. I'm never going to play football again. Um, successfully anyways. So I do that and man, was it so life changing to the point that it kind of gave me different perspective and different views in such a positive manner because all I did was laugh all, all night. Right. And chill with the right crew. Uh, good advice is, you know, chill with positive people. Yep. Have plenty of water so you can hydrate. And me being a woods guy, it's like I always had my baby wipes and PP just in case you never know. Right. You know, <laughs> well, with that, never fail. You'll you'll be good. Right. So H2O, baby wipes and, and to- TP, I had the time of my life. Let me forget about life for a second to kind of reevaluate and hit the reset button. Like the master reset on your iPhone nowadays. Right. Uh, to make it relatable for all those like uh, tech guys. Right. And then the next day, man, I was such on a mission to reset completely, have a different view and find what I'm meant to do or meant to be in this world. Right. And my track record was always positive, always did good in school and advocate for the mother earth, sweet mother earth and and love hunting and being in the woods. I'm like, you know what? I need to go in those one of like the uh, the um, those water tanks to kind of like just pass out, go to sleep while floating. Right. So I did that, man. And it's so insane. Yeah. It wasn't even the day after. It was like a few days after where I where I found this. And it wasn't in New York. It was actually upstate New York. And uh, and my buddy turned me on to it because he, he was like super hippie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If yeah. a hippie wore a cape, he was wearing that tie-dyed <laughs> cape. You know what I mean? He's right. like, yo, he's like, bro, this is like the, the best experience ever. You're going to ever, you know, you're going to, it's life changing. You don't even need drums with this man. So. <laughs> He was like I Captain took- Caveman, kind of. That's what he sounds like right now to me. <laughs> yeah. So I take his advice and I, and I go through the process. It's very inexpensive, and and it's just like super soundproof. You're eliminated from the world completely. It's just you floating in water, in your swim trunks, of course. I uh, you you had the option to be completely stark naked. No, dude, I, 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 went, my- I went in the raw. I went full yeah. Raw. Oh yeah. I, I didn't do the raw man. I I always I always wear protection. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I, I get in the tank and and man, just the experience like going into it is like at first it's so relaxing. Then you start hearing like that. I mean, me being a musician, I start hearing that ringing in my ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a percussionist, so it's like the ringing was pretty loud. Right. And then before you know, I had my eyes open. Before you know it. Dude, 13 hours I was in there. Holy smokes, man. I came out like a prune. <laughs> I came out like like a freaking prune. And these people, I haven't even told anyone this. So this is the first time ever disclosed. I, my fiance doesn't even know about this. Is uh, 
I came out like a prune and they said that they checked on me twice and they said that they, they, you know, felt for my heartbeat and everything. I didn't wake up and everything was so good that they, they just let me be because I explained the whole situation before uh, diving in. Right. And, and my buddy pointed to, it was actually uh, my buddy Jimmy's, um, I think some kind of like second cousin or something that owned this place. And he kind of laid down the, the lowdown on what happened to me and what was going on and what I was experiencing. So they kind of just let me reset naturally. Nice. And just the whole experience is it was almost outer body. Yeah, man. It's it's weird. It's it's a I mean, for anyone out there who has never tried it, if you're in, if you're interested at all in, in kind of um, hitting the reset, so to speak, and just, you know, <clears throat> getting inside or out of your own head. To, to a degree, I mean, I'm not super into, well, I, I am and I am, and I'm not. I, I'm somewhat skeptical of things, I guess is probably a better way to say it, until I try it. I mean, I'm up for anything. I'm up for trying anything, you know what I mean? Especially if it's something that can help my mind or my body or whatever, I'm into, you know, giving it a try. And so I wanted to try this because I was like, you know, if for nothing else, I was like, even if I don't get the mental aspect of it, I was like, just to be able to go float for like an hour or so, to where it takes all the pressure off of my joints, you know what I mean? And allows my back to kind of like decompress, you know, I mean, cause it's, you're, it's as if you're in zero gravity is essentially what it is. Yeah. So, so it lets crazy. Your, yeah. So it lets your body kind of like stretch out and takes the pressure off of all like your normal pressure points that you have, you know, knees, ankles, you know, hips, back, neck, shoulders, you know, just all the stuff that gravity wears on. If for nothing else is like, that'll be good and that'll feel good. And so I went and did it. And I actually was able to kind of get into that meditative state, you know what I mean? Where it's like, I was conscious and I could hear, you know, but it was like, I had, I had zero thought or connection with the outside world. It was really, it's hard to explain. And people probably listen to us going like, these dudes are nuts, you know, like, but it's like, until you try it, it's just like, you know, it's, it's hard to explain in, until you just kind of go in and do it. And it's just, it's, it's a really cool experience. Like one where it's like, I plan to kind of do it every so often, just as a, as a reset to, to be like healthy and, and mentally and physically healthy. So. Yeah, man. And every time I think back, it, it reminds me of that movie, uh, daredevil. Oh, really? Yeah. You, you ever watch that movie? No. Dude, he does just that. Oh, really? Cause, cause obviously, you know, daredevil's blind and what have you in the hoopla. I'm a big nerd when it comes to like comic books and stuff like that. Okay. And, uh, and the movie daredevil made by Marvel, he actually does that, and, and that's how he kind of resets himself on a daily basis because of, you know, the superhero hard life, you know, saving lives. So stressful, man. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Poor nice. guy, always saving everyone's life, nice. you know, blind and shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, man, I, I want to ask you this question because, I, I, like, so there's a post that you have on your Instagram that I see that's probably one of my favorite posts. And I don't remember if it's on East Coast or if it's on um, – or if it's on your personal page, but it's a picture of um, Simba and his his dad, Mustafa, I think is his name, right? Mufasa. Mufasa, yeah, yeah there you go. I'm, yep. I'm getting into my Lion King here for anyone out there listening. We're, we're Disneying it up right now. And it says, it's that, it's that picture of him looking out across like the vast, like, you know, uh, plain, African plains or whatever. And he's like, you know, I forget exactly what he says in the movie, but he references something about like, as far as you can see, essentially sun, that's your kingdom essentially. And then there's like the dark forest, which is like, you know, where you don't go or essentially he's what he's telling him. That's where Scar lives. I think is if I'm getting my 
characters correct. Yeah. And yeah. And, uh, and your the post on the page says all this land out here is something like public land and is good and wholesome. Essentially, I think is the intent. It says except this dark place over here. That's the dirty water where D Rock lives. So, <laughs> so like I, I don't know. Like I wanted to understand what, like why, what is the reference of the dirty, and what is the dirty water that you that you guys refer to? I need to get educated on this. Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked, man. And <laughs> I, I did post that. It's uh, it's basically you know Mufasa and Simba looking out, uh, o- over like the ridge of a rock and. They're looking at us and Mufasa, you know, the uh, iconic phrase of everything the light touches is your kingdom. Right, there and then you, you have says. little Simba, you have little Simba saying, well, what's that dark corner over there? And Mufasa replies, well, that's that's the dirty water where D-Rock lives. Right. Yeah. So so <laughs> so to paint the picture is like I feel like the hunting industry, right? Mm-hmm. The hunting industry to me is everything that light touches like the kingdom right and and where i'm stuck because life put me here though and not not everyone knows me but i think by now you could kind of tell um i am religious Mm -hmm. you know i'm mexican so obviously i'm catholic we're like supreme catholics right and it's in our culture and um so like Everything happens for a reason, right? Is the way I look at it. Right. And I'm here in the in the dirty, dirty Waterbury, Connecticut. And it's really, it's coming to light more so than what it used to be. But it's just one of those places is, it's a big melting pot of people from New York, people from Boston, people from uh, Rhode Island, uh, people from Jersey. So you get that big melting pot of just assholes. Right. Right? <laughs> right, just a bunch of people that you just norm normally and typically wouldn't get along with. Just people you just would avoid, right. right? But the one thing that I could take out of this place is you always get the truth out of mm. every single individual in this city, right? Especially this city, because we're kind of centered Connecticut, right? The dirty, dirty is central Connecticut. Yeah, you've heard of Hartford, but that's North Connecticut. Yeah, you heard of New Haven, but that's South Connecticut. But guess what? We're the heart of Connecticut. Waterbury, Connecticut is the heart. So what I just wanted to show is the kind of dark spot that I'm in. But it's such a a big, important part of the lighted kingdom, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. In In the sense that my... One of my bigger bucks I ever got was here out of the dirty water, hmm. urban city hunting. Yeah. And uh, when you said, you know, let's, I, I had no clue that, that you use Skype, right? And like, let's yep. Skype it up. I actually set my phone mount so this way you could get, I'll send you a picture later on, uh, get a view of that buck that I got behind an old McDonald's, you know? Nice. Yeah. And it's just one of those things. It's like as dark as a place, this is it still has its place in the light of kingdom right if that makes any sense no it totally does man and that and and that's super cool man because it's like it's like what i'm kind of taking from it is like if we look at it from just like a hunting perspective right it's like there's you could watch any number of shows and listen to any number of podcasts and you could kind of be like 
man, this sucks. I don't live in Iowa or I don't live in Illinois or I don't live in Ohio. So the hunting sucks is how you could look at it. Right. Oh yeah. It's very easy to dictate right. that. Yeah. Right. You know, and even being from PA, you know, it's like, I live, you know, close to Philly and, and the hunting's tough around here. Cause there's a lot of pressure and stuff like that. Not going to lie. You know what I mean? Um, you just got to work a little harder for it. Right. But man, it's like similar to you. It's like, you know, since I, since my wife and I bought our place and it's like, I had, I was a little closer to the, to the burbs or whatever, I guess it, like I've been more, I guess, hell bent on finding a good deer in this area because I, I want to prove that you can kill big deer in this area. You know what I mean? Or you can kill good deer in this area. I don't care how big it is in maturity. You know what I mean? That it's good, a good deer. Um, you know, and, and so instead of like complaining that like, I have, cause I used to do that. Right. And be completely honest. You know, it's like, I used to get bummed out. Cause I'm like, man, our hunting property back home is like three and a half hours away. I don't want to drive back there all the time necessarily. Cause I only get to hunt on Saturdays. It's just like a lot of complaining, man, like first world problems. Right. And I finally was back, like, back home. Do you mean Ohio at all? No. Well, it's in, it's in Western, like South central PA back towards Western oh, PA. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So not, not Ohio, the deer, you know, it's just, we have land there, you know, we have family ground there. And so it was just, you know, I knew how the property laid out. I knew how it worked. So it was pretty turnkey. Like I knew where to set up. It wasn't like I needed to investigate a whole lot, you know what I mean? Which was kind of, mm-hmm. you know, counterintuitive or counter to how I usually like to approach things. And I finally was like, what the hell am I doing? I'm like, there's plenty of stuff to find around here. I was like, I just needed to like go find it, you know? And so that's kind of been my charge for the past couple of years. And like, I knew it was going to take me a couple of years to figure it out. Cause I was starting from zero, you know what I mean? I didn't really have many, really any hunting buddies in this area that hunted like all public land. You know what I mean? If the, you know, my hunting buddies around here either have for the most part have like some private permission that they have, you know, and they hunt a little bit of public land, but it's like, I don't have any private permission from anybody, you know? So it's all just whatever's available to anybody else is what I got, you know? And so, um, which I was like, you know what? I was like, that's kind of cool. I'm just going to give it hell and I'm going to go make it work with what I got. And that's kind of what you're doing there in the dirty, you know what I mean? Where it's like, sure, you could be bummed that you don't live in Iowa, right? <laughs> it's, but it's not going to change anything. You know, it's you just got to kind of go, go make it happen and go get it. You know what I mean? You know what? I, I agree 100% because uh, this, this is what I take out of it. The whole, like, you know, everything happens for a reason. I, I'm in the dark spot in the hunting industry, right? I'm learning and grinding in such a hard way that I'm actually finding big bucks when I go out there. Mm-hmm. And, and they're few and far between around this area, mainly because, you know, we're not hunting a bunch of ag fields. We're actually, it's very, very similar to Pennsylvania or even your boy out there in Michigan. It's like, you don't find a bunch of big bucks just laying around everywhere. Mm-hmm. And not to quote WCB, but you, you don't trip into 150. You know what I mean? It it takes homework and effort and, and persistence. Yeah. So the fact that I get to even not even just shoot at, but to see them, mm-hmm. it's like wow, that's validation right there in itself. It's like I'm doing something right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hundred percent, man. And, and at this point in the game, especially now two years into whitetail hunting, I could definitely give most credit to all the hunting. Not just one specific, but all those hunting podcasts out there that I pick and choose the information that I can apply to my scenario and apply it to the field. It's just 
it's something crazy that like, yeah, we're in the podcast realm right now, but it's so packed full of information right now that I encourage anyone, even if it was like, if you want to learn origami, well, go find a fucking origami podcast, because guess (laughs) what? You're going to learn something that that you can't read in a book out of there because it's from firsthand life experience between either whether it be the the host, the co-host, or the guests that are on. It's like, you're going to learn something that you don't read in a book yep. on a podcast. So, I mean, you've been, I mean, you started hunting when you were a kid, like shooting, you know, shooting a recurve and, 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 and stuff like that, right? But you didn't get into whitetail hunting until, you know, going on, I guess, roughly three years ago, right? What yep. What is it that... Like, what is the, what was the aha moment for you? Or what was the one thing that you picked up, like, from podcasts that really kind of, like, changed your, I guess, I mean, let me put it this way. What was, like, can you pinpoint a moment where you learned something, whether it was a podcast or whether, wherever it was, and was like, that's the one thing that made a difference for me. Like, once I figured that out, once I learned that, like, it all, it, it, I, I didn't figure it all out, but it started making sense. When it comes to whitetail hunting. Yeah, when it comes to whitetails. Well, that's actually, I'm going to have to think about it for a bit. But um, the first thing that comes to mind is after doing all my research in 2016, right? Mm -hmm. Listening to uh, predominantly uh, working class bow hunter, uh, deer hunter podcast, and truth from the stand. Mm. Because you could, you could, and and I hate, and I don't hate to say this, actually. It's just, you could tell who's killing and who's not. You right. know what I mean? Right. There's a lot of podcasts out there, and uh, you could definitely distinguish who's actually, uh, not to quote Kip Campbell, but who's got their hands in a gut pot. You know right. what I mean? Right. So when it was an eye-opener for me is... And when everything started kind of all the puzzle pieces started falling into place is opening day, man, opening day for my first year of ever whitetail hunting and predominantly listen to the, those main three mm-hmm. for me, for, right. ju- for just me. Like it could be totally different podcast for someone else, but Connecticut, it's, it's very, and a touch of, of the hunting beast. Yep. Because I did, I do hunt swamps as well. Yep. So a touch, a touch of uh, Mr. Van, and at the time Jeff too, mm-hmm. Jeff Pinky. Yep. Um, it fell into place when I was in a car accident before going into my first year of uh, whitetail hunting. So I was shooting a crossbow. Mm-hmm. Luckily for me, it was it just became legal recently, uh, prior, mm-hmm. and it. And that's, that was my main concern because I was so bummed out. I was like, man, because not that I'm against gun hunting at all. Right. You know, it's like if you're a gun hunter, man, that it takes a skill too. Yeah. To, to look, shoot I'm, a gun. I'm a better shot with my bow than I am with a gun. It's like I'll be the first mm-hmm. to admit that. It's like I, I, I suck at shooting guns. <laughs> I'm actually vice versa, but I'm more intimate. Like I'm more in love with my bow. Right. It takes more practice and, and more money to fine-tune a gun mm, true that but i mean bruh i'm mexican i'm good with a shank and i'm good with a gun you know <laughs> we're experts at drive-by <laughs> you could 
quote that as one of the topics. Expert <laughs> right. at, at drive-by. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, back to reality is like the, the bow is just something so intimate. And, and even with a crossbow, like a lot of, a lot of bow hunters knock the crossbows. Like, dude, pick up a crossbow, though. That's like the main segue for a gun hunter to mm-hmm. convert. Yeah. And opening day, man, is when it clicked to me when I took the crossbow, you know, first time whitetail hunting. I was so nervous, right? Like right. the the whole night before, because we camped out and scouted the night before. It's so opening day. Like I got the jitters, and I'm, I'm I'm like, I'm that stupid kid that's just overly excited over stupid shit and just won't shut up about like how excited I am and shit. Right. Almost, almost, almost annoying. But where I get my my uh, validation is that I'm usually the camp cook, so like they just deal with me. Right. You know what I mean? Because. <laughs> right. Because I know how to cook a thing or two. Right. And uh man, opening day, I'll never forget. I was like like a like a freaking ninja. It's just super quiet. And everyone's like kind of looking at me in my deer camp, like, well, why is D Rock so quiet? It's like, bro, this is kill mode. Like they forget. It's like, yeah, it's first time hunting whitetail, but at the same time, I've been hunting a long time. Right. And when it's day of the hunt, it's like you just get into that trance. It's like you have an objective and that's your mission. Yep. And and just the experience to because we went in through water because mm-hmm. everyone that knocks, uh, you know, hunting a kayak because you get so many different opinions. Oh, going in through kayak. Well, you know what? We didn't go in through kayak. We had a boat, you know, one one crew had a pontoon. I went with my my little John boat. And once I got close to my area where I scouted, I switched over to the electric motor to quiet down. And I went in and it was well over two hours before sunrise. And I'll never forget it, man. It's just, you know, docking the boat ever so quiet to the point that I was wearing my my uh, my muck boots. And I got out actually a little too early to the point that it got soaked my pants. But I didn't I didn't give a (laughs) shit. You know what I mean? I was just, I was on a mission. And it was so hot that day, I actually felt good. So I docked my boat and I just crept like a ninja. I swear to God, it probably only took me about maybe 15 minutes to get into position to my tree. But it felt like an hour, man, because I was just trying to be so extra quiet. This is my first time ever hunting whitetail. And and just like every move, man, I was sweating my ass off. And everyone was making fun of me because I was in my boxers and tank and wife beater with my muck boots. Right. (laughs) And, and everyone else was not because they, I I don't know their situation, but I like, I was going to the extreme because I already knew I was going to sweat my ass off. Right. And I get to my tree and you know, me being a fucking religious Mexican, I did a quick little prayer. Like, you know, let me kill something today, whatever. And I start climbing up the tree and I have the worst climber ever, you know, not the knock building stream at all, but if for a beginner, I encourage it. So you learn the hard way. Right. So this way you could appreciate the quality, but I had a building stream steel climber. That was actually my boy, Jay. He, he actually, he's like, here's your bonus. Cause I actually ended up, I, I was working for him at his dealership. Right. And, uh, He's like, here's your bonus. He bought me a climber. It was this super heavy steel climber. So I get to the top of my tree 
and they're not the quietest thing, but if you use a lot of effort and sweat your balls off, you can make it quiet. Right. Get to the top of the tree. I fully dress up. I actually spray myself down ahead at the time. I think, you know, I was an adolescent in white tail hunting. I think it was like Trinity kind of scent eliminator, whatever. The shit that like leaves that white schmeg all over your shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was using every advantage that I could think of. And I just sit down and just, I remember like it was yesterday watching the forest like come to life, hearing the birds first, seeing a couple sparrows like fly by. I see a bobcat um, kind of like murk around. You could tell he was at attention. This coyote chases. I'm like, fuck, I'm fucked. And I almost shot the coyote, right? I'm like, no. I'm like, if I have any chance at shooting a deer today, I'm not going to shoot that coyote. Because if I shoot the coyote, I have to get off my tree and then process that shit. Because it's, it's just one of those things. It's like, I'm just not going to do it. So I sat there and kind of watched that happen, which was really cool to watch. I don't know what happened. I didn't hear any any of the kind of like cries of pain or whatever. The bobcat coyote disappeared, and I'm sitting there for hours. It was, uh, I want to say it was like four, just before five o'clock, the sun started rising. You know when the forest gets gray? Yep. And like shooting light, legal shooting light? Yep. The forest was gray when I saw that. And then it was literally like maybe four hours later, almost 10 o'clock. You know, I dozed off a couple times and I se- I kept on setting my alarm on my cell phone on vibrate on my chest pocket for every hour to wake me up just in case. Right. Because I was super tired, man, because I didn't sleep the night before. I was just so <laughs> amped. And uh, it went off. My alarm went off just before 10 o'clock. It was like nine nine forty five actually. Cause it was going off every hour on the hour and it was at nine 45. I just wake up and there's this doe, like not a huge doe, but not a small doe right in front of me grazing down the stream. And my, my entrance way off the water, it was this mountain stream coming from the top of the mountain down to the lake. Right. Mm-hmm. And where I set up was the most deer sign that I could find as a rookie, you know, not knowing shit. Right. But what I thought was the the most sign, like I saw a couple rubs at the top, but all the tracks was pointing towards the stream and going towards the water. So in my head, I'm I'm picturing, you know, in my head, not knowing this whole big, huge herd going down to the water, drinking together, whatever. Right. But when I woke up, I saw that doe just sipping on the stream and then feeding off of it. It looked to me like wild ramps mm-hmm. like that that like leafy kind of wild onion. Mm-hmm. And then it took a sip of water again. And then my knees started shaking. Right. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Cause I'm sitting down at this time and my crossbow is already, you know, cocked back and, and the bolt is loaded. And then, uh, my knees shaking and I kind of scuffled in my, and the way I set up my climber, it wasn't necessarily the correct way of how I attached my seat to it that I shifted and it made that kind of like knocking sound like, uh, and I don't know if ever, someone's had to experience this before with a climber, the uh, Velcro strap that's strapped in to the metal part of the climber. If you shift, sometimes it makes that hard kind of knocking sound like a, like a shifting um, of weight, like a, yep. And it stood up the dough. And I was looking 
and mind you, this is a, a decline. It was on the lower half, maybe I want to say like 40 yards down with decline, maybe 50 yards total right. with the uh, decline. And I was on the upper part midway. I want to say a third down from the top of the ridge, a uh, third way down. So I was a good, I want to say about 50 yards away. And it looked and it looked up and I thought it saw me. And it looked like it was looking in my eyes, so I squinted. So I didn't see the white in my eyes, and right. I just stood still. Dude, that's, and some, I actually, that's some straight ninja stuff right there. Bro, I didn't know what I was doing. It was just all natural reaction, and I just stood still. I even held my breath. <laughs> and, like, you know how when you could squint your eyes, but you could still see out of your eyelashes right. type shit? I waited till the doe, like, kind of, because her tail was up and everything. I thought she was going to take off. I'm like, fuck, like 50 yards I was not comfortable, right? I wasn't going to shoot a crossbow 50 yards. First time white tail hunting because I didn't want to injure and, and and not find the deer. And she went back to it and she kind of climbed up towards me. And I had the advantage on the wind too because I did a lot of research on wind. The wind was coming out from the lake and up to the ridge. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I read the sign and the sign coming from the west and the wind was coming up from the south. I set up on halfway down or a third way down from the ridge. And he just like everything that I learned, it's like I didn't even think of that. You know what I mean, Clint? It's like yep. I just did it. And I give it all to luck. She climbed up closer to more ramps that she started chewing on. And she got in. It was I'll never forget the day on my rangefinder so slowly and i started like really i thought i was going to pass out because i held my breath long enough to the point <laughs> i had to like really like slowly breathe and catch my breath right i reached up my rangefinders 37 yards and then she took two steps forward right into my because i had my crossbow scope it was you know the 20 30 40 50 right she stepped right into the 30 mark and i just smacked her nice and it was like instant and went through her Bounce off a rock, the bolt, bounce off a rock, and she just dropped. Didn't run off, nothing, just dropped. And I ended up uh, just double lunging, and it nicked the heart. That it was so much blood, and I just started shaking profusely, man. <laughs> like I was just so pumped and so psyched. And uh, I just sat there, man. Just sat there because I always, you know, listen to the podcast and everything I read. You, after you smack something, you sit there to make sure it's dead. Right. And honestly, I was just sitting there because I couldn't believe what I accomplished. And when I thought about it, I was like, first thought, man, I wish I had my recurve doing that. Right. But at the same time, the experience of just really witnessing it for the first time and all the puzzle pieces just falling into places like that's when I knew it's like, wow, man, it's like everything that I learned granted from reading material and watching on TV, but really honed in with podcasts Yeah, and, and took what I learned. And I mean, not to like, you know, tickle your pickle, but like between the three, the, the main three that I listened to and applied it to the field, it just, everything fell into place, man. And it happened. I was just ecstatic. And I didn't even tell anyone. It was funny because I'm, you know, I'm hunting with a bunch of veterans. Right. And that and that day I came back and I was the only one with the deer in the boat. Nice. 
Dude, that's that awesome. first opening day. That's awesome. And, and uh, you know, I never processed a deer before, so uh, Mark the Deer Slayer, I'm like, listen, you need to school me, man. I'm the camp cook, so help me process this, and and we'll eat it up tonight. You know, right, right. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Like that's that's such a great first experience, too, man. I mean, it doesn't get it doesn't get any better than that, and and. I just love like how like all the details like you can still remember from that day. You know what I mean? Because I still remember the first year I killed. Like I remember like it was yesterday. You know, it's um, it's one of those things where you know as a hunter, it's like you don't you don't forget that stuff. You know, it's um, it's the thing that kind of keeps bringing you, bringing you back. Like you almost kind of continually chase that feeling over and over again. You know, it's like um, a drug, man, for sure. It is, and then I think for me, you know. Being honest, it's like, and I've talked about it on on the show that there there were times where, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to say, it, but like there were times where hunting, like I was putting so much pressure on myself. Like, and, and Kevin and I have talked about this too. Like, whether or not when you have a podcast or whatever, it's like, do we feel any? You know, I think we asked each other this question. It's like, do we feel any like additional pressure because we have like you know a show of some sort? And it's like, look, I'm not, you know, Mister Famous is Captain Kangaroo. It's like I don't have any. I'm not delusional as far as like what my, what my spot is in the space. You know, I'm not this, you know, professional hunter and I'm, I'm a normal dude who, who likes to talk whitetails with, with, with his buddies and some, and some guests, you know, but the, uh, it was, you know, the truth of the matter was, is I was feeling like some additional pressure, you know what I mean? Like I was putting pressure on myself to you know, try to achieve certain goals that I probably were setting that were probably a little, you know, above what I should have been setting, setting the mat. And it was starting to take some of the fun out. And, uh, and then I kind of slapped myself around and realized that like, it's chasing that feeling that you just described is the reason why I do it. And once I kind of reminded myself of that and kind of set the perspective in the right, in the right place, it's been like, I've had, it's, it's been great since, you know what I mean? But it was just that like momentary lapse of, of remembering why, and uh and since that day it's like i've not forgotten what that why was so yeah man it's a it's definitely a beautiful thing so and, uh, and for the listeners out there i'm sorry my furnace just kicked on uh, i'm downstairs in the studio and my fiance just came home and she's probably hopping in the shower so right, i no apologize if you hear something different no worries but uh, I think, man, with that story, dude, I think that that's a. Uh, I've had you for about an hour, getting close to an hour and a half. I think that might be a good place to uh, to wrap it, and we're gonna definitely have to do a part two. But before before I let you get going, if you wouldn't mind, just mention mention where folks can find more about the about the dirty dirty and uh, where they can find you on podcasts and where they can where they where they can follow you at. Oh no doubt, no doubt. And, and actually, before that, I just want to shout out to uh, to Boneyard. Part of the East Coast team, Boneyard from Wild Edging, um, the Modern Assassin Garrett uh, out of Maryland. I'll be ha- again, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have him on here at some point. That's another one that's on the list. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I mean, these are savages. Like my go-to three people that I talk to almost instantaneously on a daily basis, aside from Kurt Geyer from Working Class Bowhunter, is uh, Boneyard from Wild Edging, Garrett from the Modern Assassin out of Maryland and, uh, and East coast Trev mm-hmm. out of Coventry, Connecticut is like, um, I took my hats off to them cause I mean, we just, we make that East coast team and we're trying to build it. So if you're out there and you're listening to this, I mean, Clint, 
Yeah, obviously, I consider you part of the East Coast team, man. You're Pennsylvania, so that's right. I, I mean, I want to get it from from Maine to Florida. If we could gather a team to get perfect intel as state representatives, so this way we could go hunt each other's state. I mean, that'd be awesome. Shout out to Nick Albanese too, out of Zeus Broadheads. Nice. Um, and Tech Driver TV out of New Jersey. He's like, and uh, also Chris Silk out of Virginia. I'm like, there's a ton of them. Kip Campbell yeah. out of Virginia is like. I just because of podcasting, they're they're the dudes you need to reach out to on the East Coast to get the East Coast intel, including yourself, Clint, Thank out you. of Pennsylvania. I appreciate um, that, brother. Yeah, man. I mean, shit. The, we're the we're the source. We're right. the source. So we're we're here for you and your listeners. Uh, you know, I encourage your listeners to check out my podcast as well to get a different perspective on things. Um, and we're all on the same team, man. It's not yep. a competition. So it's it's all about making the listener successful. And exactly. that I believe I can speak for you, Quinn. That's our mission, man. Agreed. It's just ex- exposing the truth of things. Agreed. Um, 100%. So that being said, man, is just uh, I'm D-Rock from the East Coast Bowen and Podcast. You can check me out on iTunes, iHeartRadio. Uh, etc. Anywhere a podcast is is found. I mean, I'm even on a Spanish platform, iVooks. If you're Latino, uh, go check it out on iVooks. Um, anywhere on social media, again, East Coast Bone and Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I think it's ECB Podcast on Twitter. Vero is a more of a European social platform. I have a ton of followers from Spain there. Um, East Coast Boning Podcast on that as well. And Tumblr. Tumblr, Clint, if you're not on Tumblr, that's so like business oriented. I want to say a lot of my exposure has come from there because nice. uh, it's a bunch of different businesses. So, nice. uh, yeah, tune in, man. And if you just want to get us direct, Hit us up at www.eastcoastbowhunting.com. And always reach out because I'm just like you, listeners. Um, I'm your world's okayest hunter. (laughs) And I have some real brutal advice. And if I don't know the answer, I know someone that does. Right. Well, dude, thanks for coming on, brother. It's uh, it's been a pleasure as always. I always like rapping with you. We're gonna definitely have to do a part two, man. I could do, we could do a part two and probably just talk about life in general. And that we could fill two hours with that. So hell yeah, man. We didn't even dip into the music or, or nothing like that, or or even the scoring and measuring and shit. You know? I know, I know. We got so we're definitely gonna have to do a do a part two. But uh, thanks for coming on, brother. Everyone out there listening, check out D Rock East Coast Bow Hunter. Thanks all for listening. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank D-Rock for joining me and would like to thank all of you for listening. It's hard to believe that deer season is almost here. It's, uh, I'll have to try to contain myself while I'm on, va- on vacation and stay focused on the, uh, on the uh, family events. But anyway, if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. I'd uh, be super appreciative if you'd be able to do those two things for me and before i shut this thing down i need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible tethered exodus outdoor gear skull brew coffee company obsession bows ramcat broadheads trophy taker rests and dead downwind and until next time we'll see y'all makes me proud makes me steal i could show you through the door If it's all
All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.